This is Franchise Today, brought to you by FRM Solutions, providers of the best-in-class software solutions for franchise relationship management. Franchise Today is your destination for weekly information, conversations, and interviews with accomplished industry leaders, all of whom share best practices for sustainable growth and sensible franchising. Here now, your host, Stan Friedman, to kick off this week's podcast. Today is Wednesday, September 22nd. I'm Stan Friedman, and this is Franchise Today. Well, last week's interview was a ton of fun. It was great catching up with my old friend and former business partner, Matt Friedman, and hearing about his second act as incoming CEO of the Franchise Founders Group after nearly 30 years of molding the clay as co-founder and CEO at Wingzone. One memory we touched on in the interview but didn't get to really talk about was when I first met Matt Friedman along with Phil Friedman at Franchise Update in 2002. I had just completed speaking on a panel and the two of them approached me at the front of the room side by side. Seeing their name badges bearing the same last name, I noted the difference in the years between them and made the mistaken assumption that they were father and son. Little did I know then that Matt and I would become partners, and that for the next four years, guests at Wingzone Discovery Days would make a similar assumption about Matt and me. At some point during each of those events, I would inevitably hear prospects comment about how proud I must be of my son. My reply would always be, I most certainly am proud of my son. But while Matt and I share the same last name, he's not my son. Just a funny aside that I thought I would share, when for years I'd never met another Freedman in franchising. Since then, I've had the good fortune to meet two more, Nick Friedman and, of course, Nancy Friedman as well. But I digress. So back to the topic at hand. Scheduling difficulties still abound and have caused Inspire Brands Joe Seavey and I to keep shuffling the deck regarding his interview. He's still headed our way, but it might be a couple more weeks before we can get a date pinned down. But today, we get to speak with Teriyaki Madness Chief Marketing Officer Jody Boyce about their explosive growth, and next week we're joined by David Bloom, who wears both the Chief Development and Chief Operating Officer hats at both Capriotti's and Wingzone. It'll be interesting to learn about their plans for both brands when David joins us next week. Right now, a quick break, and I'll be right back to talk about Teriyaki Madness and their meteoric growth with Jody Boyce, Chief Marketing Officer. Franchise Today will be right back, but first, a word from our sponsors. Hey, franchisors of restaurants, bars, grills, and taverns, and multi-unit franchisees, listen up. This message is for you. Atmosphere TV wants to help you cut costs on overpriced cable TV for your business and either replace it completely or partially if sports programming is essential at your locations. What Atmosphere TV provides are 100% free programming options with nearly 50 channels of highly engaging and entertaining programming that is audio optional and guaranteed to please your customers and even increase their average ticket per visit. So here's how it works. Atmosphere hooks you up with an Apple TV HD receiver loaded with nearly 50 channels of fully licensed, no cost to you, fun and lifestyle programming. These channels include Chive and Red Bull TV, 
bloopers, superhuman feats, and an array of viewing options that don't require sound to be enjoyed. And this offer is not just limited to restaurants or bars. No, any business with a TV screen in its waiting room can benefit from Atmosphere's free programming offer as well. So what are you waiting for? Cut the cord on overpriced cable and get Atmosphere TV with its 100% free, engaging, and entertaining programming options. Keep your guests happy while they wait to see you instead of watching the clock and their wait times. Chiropractors, doctors, dentists, auto repair shops, anyone with TVs in your waiting rooms, jump onto this amazing offer today. And if you text the word FRANCHISE to 474747, Atmosphere will waive the $100 setup fee for the Apple TV HD receiver that they'll ship to you as well at no cost. Atmosphere TV, changing the way businesses view television. Find them online at atmosphere.tv and remember, text FRANCHISE to 474747 for the no-charge Apple receiver. Cut the cord and get rid of cable today with Atmosphere TV. A skilled brand marketer with over 20 years experience, Jody Boyce has worked on both the agency and client side, transforming marketing needs into consumer messages through point of purchase, print, media, contests, promotions, packaging, and digital. Working at the C-suite level, she's a brand builder, skilled at turning complicated brand attributes into easy-to-understand consumer messages, increasing sales for both the brand and their franchisees. Jody Boyce. Welcome to Franchise Today. Thanks for having me. I had planned for so long to try to get Michael Haith to join me. Michael and I haven't done something like this since, I don't know, the days of maybe Maui Wowie. I thought it would be fun to have him on, but when I read your LinkedIn profile, something there told me this is somebody I definitely want to talk to. While it has nothing to do with franchising, I'm sure, and how you got into franchising, I've got to ask you to take us back a couple of notches further and tell us about the role of being a hot dogger and driving the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. Wow. That is my claim to fame. Yep. So I uh, grew up in California and I went to school out here in Boulder at CU. And when I was a senior, Oscar Mayer came to, at the time, about 13 colleges to recruit. And I knew someone who had driven the Wienermobile before me. And I was graduating from the business school, studying in marketing, and it seemed like a perfect position. Uh, I was pretty excited. And so they interviewed several thousand of us and brought 70 of us back to Madison for interviews. And so I got the job. There was 30 of us for the summer and then 12 of us for the year. Best job ever. I drove a 27-foot hot dog around the country. We auditioned kids to be in the next commercial, did a lot of promotions, and it was all about marketing and PR and driving a 27-foot hot dog. It was awesome. I got to tell you that long before my franchising days, I was in broadcast and radio, and I had a job that was not the highest paying job, but I was the promotions director of an FM station in Dallas. And part of my responsibility was driving this really tricked out van and heading up the prize patrol and being the guy who gave people a chance to pick an envelope. And the worst thing that could happen was they won a $99 reward from us. The best thing that could happen is it might have been $99 plus $10,000. So it was just, come on, who could have a better job than riding around in a beautiful, just smoking hot van and giving people money? (laughs) So when I saw what I saw about the Oscar Mayer mobile, I kind of thought of that. Yeah, and we saw a lot of people. We had some 
interesting people follow us for miles and miles and miles to get a little wiener whistle. So yeah, it was it was a lot of fun, but that's that's essentially what launched my career into the food industry. I think that's probably a unique way to start. <laughs> that is probably reserved for you. I don't know that anybody followed in your footsteps on that. That could be one and done. But why don't you take us back to where franchising began for you and what that looked like? Sure. So after the Wienmobile, I could pretty much go anywhere in the U.S. I wanted and decided to come back to Denver. I love it here. It's beautiful. It happens to also be a headquarters for several restaurant brands. And one of my first jobs after the Wienmobile was working for Quiznos. And Quiznos, you know, back in the height of their growth, I, I started when there were fewer than a thousand locations and I left when there was 5,500. So that was, you know, almost a hundred percent franchise model. And so that was my, my introduction to franchising. And so I've been in restaurants and franchising my whole career. I think one other time I was at Camp Bow Wow, which was still franchising, just not restaurants. And there's something about restaurant franchising that there's just, you have to have a special craziness, I think, to be in it. And our team has it. It's fun. It's fast paced. And it's just really satisfying helping franchisees see their dream and and help them to become successful. Back in your days at Quizno were just shortly after my days in the sandwich business with Blimpy Subs and Salads. Quiznos was the public enemy number one to us then. You were, oh, yeah. you were showing up everywhere. <laughs> yep, I remember that. But it's all local store marketing in brands like that, isn't it? Or were you, I guess, with the number of stores you had, you had a national ad fund as well. Yeah, when we were growing, you know, at our height with Quiznos, we had about a $90 million marketing budget. So it was a little different. But that's one of the things I absolutely love now at Terrakin Madness is we've essentially been like a startup for the last several years. So our team is great at being scrappy and coming up with creative ideas on Getting into the market, doing grassroots marketing is is king. It still works, even for shops who've been open for 10 to 15 years. It's still one of the best marketing tactics out there. So we're going to talk about Teriyaki Madness a little bit later, but I want you to walk us up to that and take us through the chronology from way back when with Quiznos and through the other milestones along the way. And these are in years where I think marketing has changed more in the last 15, 20 years than ever before. You know, you could still do guerrilla marketing, you could still do fundamentals of local store marketing and probably should, but it used to be that that was all you needed to worry about. In today's world, the digital world, the frictionless world, things are nothing like they used to be. So what kinds of experiences have you encountered and how has it changed what might have been the world that you lived in in the Quiznos days to the world that we're in today? Sure. I mean, back in Quiznos days, TV, radio, you know, billboards, traditional media was king. And digital didn't really exist, at least not in the format it does today. After Quiznos, I was at Village Inn Baker Square, and that was also very much grassroots marketing or traditional media. Still, digital didn't really exist. So from there, I was at Camp Bow Wow, and you know it started to pop up. There was, you know, Facebook was just starting, and one of the most difficult things for a marketer used to be to prove that if I spend money on social media, does that translate into sales? It was always very difficult to prove. And today we have black and white data that shows, yes, it absolutely does. So yeah, we were just learning about all the new digital avenues out there. It wasn't something even taught in college back then. It was, you know, you had to learn it as we went along. 
uh, even at the conferences we went to, sometimes we were more advanced than the people speaking because everyone was learning it at the same time. From there, I worked with Einstein's Brothers Bagels. I was on the agency side. So from there, I did get a lot of introduction to digital marketing. It was you know, still several years ago, but working with the agency, they did digital for several clients and Einstein's was no different. So we were, a lot of it was trial and error and trying new things with digital, whether it was banner ads and click through to ordering sites or social media, but it was still brand new. And now um, my last job before uh, Tarek and Madness was at Smashburger, and we relied pretty heavily on on digital. That was you know five or six years ago, and digital still in conjunction with the grassroots marketing and just having that layered plan is the best way to get results. It's not not just one tactic by any means. It's got to be a layered plan. In the teriyaki madness world, this is a pre and post COVID type question. What percentage of the customer base consumes food on premise versus off? How different and how different is that post COVID than pre COVID? Sure. So pre COVID, we were seeing about 50 50 dine in takeout, even though the, the last year before COVID that had grown. So we were still up around 60 to 70% of our food was takeout. We had already partnered with third party delivery. We had already gotten an app and online ordering. So we were set up for our food to, to go out the door. We also are very lucky in that our food travels really well. So coming from Smashburger, where I was prior, you know, it's, it's a different story with burgers and fries and cold sake buns. So we had already invested in the technology to get the food out the door and work on convenience. And so with COVID, all we had to do, we didn't, we didn't have to pivot much. We just had to kind of crank up the volume on our delivery and curbside and pickup and even our loyalty program. And so all of those helped us grow to probably 85 or 90% going out the door during COVID, especially when dining rooms were closed. And now that dining rooms are open, it you know, depends on the market. We still hover around 80% takeout or delivery today. And then in the world of marketing to the consumer that you serve, do you do things like geofencing? Do you do things that are non-traditional in terms of the approach to the digital sphere that you're in? We do. So our brand voice and our brand personality is a little edgy and irreverent and fun with the whole point of being different to stand out and be memorable. Are you talking about Teriyaki Madness or are you talking about the CEO, Michael Hayes? Well, <laughs> a little, <laughs> little of each. Uh, luckily, he, he finds it pretty funny. So, um, yeah, it works out well. Uh, no, but for Teriyaki Madness, we always say we, we take our food seriously, but we don't take ourselves seriously. And so that brand voice lends really well to social. And that's what that's what people want to see on social media is, you know, something that they want to share and like. And it just it works really well there. So we use a variety of digital tactics. Um, we put a lot behind social media. We also do geofencing and retargeting and Google AdWords. And we're a little bit of everything out there. Because like I said, it's a layered approach. People have to see or hear things, you know, six to eight times before they're going to react. And so we want to hit them up in different ways. And it's not to say that very traditional direct mail and things in people's homes don't work. We, we do those in addition to the digital tactics that, that we have out there. Why don't you roll the tape back on the brand itself and give us a little history on the brand? Sure. So Tarek Humanis actually started in 2003 in Las Vegas. Two brothers and a cousin who were living up in Seattle 
And in Seattle, teriyaki's on every corner. It's like New York pizza or Chicago hot dogs. So they decided they wanted to bring teriyaki down to Las Vegas where they were living after college and learned the ropes from their favorite mom and pop teriyaki shop in Seattle, went down, started their own, and then started franchising about two years later. Michael got involved in the company about eight years ago, more on a consulting basis at, at the time. And then our founders decided they wanted to run their shops and not take on the business side. So that's when Michael bought the company and moved us out to Colorado, where he's from. And so that's why we were very much like a startup for the last five years, even though it started in 2003. We spent the first few years just getting what I call greens fees, getting us to, to flat with what, what a restaurant needs to grow. Um, on the franchise side and the consumer side. So that's when we built our app and online ordering, curbside, a loyalty program, gift cards, and really put all the systems in place for franchisees to be successful. We have, as far as our food, we have really high quality, made to order, customizable bowls, huge portions, healthier options, really delicious food. So we pretty much have everything consumers say they want. And on the franchise side, we know that if our franchisees are able to follow a system, they can be successful. So we actually have quite a few franchise owners who don't have restaurant or some who don't have business experience before they, they have purchased their team ad. Let's hold on to the franchise side and we'll come back around. Okay. I want to I want to take a deeper dive into the consumer side. So who would a customer be and how broad and wide are the demos for your concept? Sure. So fast casual is pretty broad in general. Everyone has to eat. We find that our sweet spot is 25 to 54 year olds. And really within that, it's the older millennials. They're the ones who are working. They've got a little bit of disposable income, active lifestyle. Our food is great on the run. It's you know a little bit healthier options compared to fried foods out there. So a lot of people love our food because it's good on the go. It's still quick, but they're satisfied without you know, just having a salad. As far as demographics, we are almost 50-50 male-female, although we skew a little bit more male, probably for that reason I just said. It's, it's a healthier, satisfying meal without going to a salad place and, and being ultra healthy. So our food's as, as healthy or not as, as you'd like it to be. And then what about day parts? Is it more lunch than dinner or is that kind of an even blend as well? Well, pre-COVID, it was a little bit heavier lunch than it was dinner. A lot of working people ordering at lunchtime. With COVID, we switched pretty heavily to dinner and weekends, which was great because it was growing that side of the business for us. And now, not that COVID is over by any means, but we are a little bit more balanced. So we're a little bit more 50-50 with lunch and dinner. So you said earlier that you didn't really have much of a pivot because you were almost built for what came as the result of COVID anyway. But what are some things that you think you've seen change that, for better or worse, that aren't going to change again post-COVID? Well, for one, apps, having an app for a restaurant was almost on its way out pre-COVID. There are several restaurant brands who were thinking, you know, we don't need an app. People don't want more things on their phone. We got one anyway. And boy, were we glad we did because now everyone has an app and that's how you order. And so 
that's something that's certainly not changing. The other piece that's not going away is just convenience. Consumer convenience demands were already on the rise, and this just took it up a whole nother level with people wanting curbside and delivery and instant gratification. So the fact that you can order ahead in our app and select the exact time that you want to pick it up or have it delivered, and a lot of people don't mind hefty delivery fees. They want the food. They want it when they want it. That convenience piece is not going away, for sure. On the app side, I hear from a lot of people in fast casual and quick serve that the app is geared more toward the loyalty side of the business that many people order from far more restaurants than they actually load an app for. So you're not building new business with the app. You'd probably go to the website of life for that. Would you not? You could do both. So you could still get your points from a website. But what we have found is our loyalty guests are spending 16 to 19% more on average than our non-loyalty guests. So they're not only coming more often, they're spending more, which is the whole reason to have a loyalty program, but it's proving itself. And I don't know if that's been amplified because of COVID or if it's just our growth, but we have our shops really push to get people to create an account, whether it's downloading the app or online, you can do it either way. But yeah, they are spending more and coming more often. You're talking to an audience of emerging franchisors, many of whom might not have the budget to do both. What would you tell them is probably the better thing to do, at least if you have to do this in stair steps, which way would you go first? First and foremost, I would get online ordering. If you're not there, you're not being seen. So that was our goal in 2018 when we added our app and online ordering. We did it as a package. You certainly don't have to. We didn't launch loyalty though until a year later. We just figured it would be such a big shift for our system to be receiving orders through the app and online. We wanted to do that first. And the phone is a pain point for franchisees. So if you don't have another way to order, you're relying on that phone or people standing in front of you. So for me, absolutely the online ordering, then the app, and then thirdly, the loyalty. And so far that's that's paying for itself with people spending more and coming more often. Awesome. That's great insight. And I appreciate you sharing with us. Mm-hmm. Tell you what, let's do. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, let's talk about the marketing of Teriyaki Madness on the franchising side of the business and who it is we're looking for and who should be looking for you and what it is that stands apart from the competitive set post-COVID. I'm talking with Jody Boyce, Chief Marketing Officer for the wildly popular and rapidly growing Teriyaki Madness. And we'll be right back right after this. Franchise Today will be right back. But first, a word from our sponsors. My goal each week is to bring you information from those who have been there, done that. Well, that describes my good friend Jerry Henley and his Launch to Growth consultancy to a T. At Launch to Growth, their motto is scale to get better before you scale to get bigger, which could apply to new emerging concepts just as easily as to established legacy brands where culture and processes have degraded over time, leaving less profitability for both the Zor and the Zs. Using proven system and soul tools and solutions, Launch to Growth teaches you how to drive unit-level success across your entire franchise organization, positively impacting both your culture and bottom line. You see, franchisor success is not just about systems. It's also about the soul of the people. Jerry's programs create a win-win franchise model, defining and aligning franchisee and Zor success so that everyone achieves their respective goals. It's franchising done right, deploying a four 
four-step process for scaling smartly, utilizing the proven system and soul software platform and methodology. Create alignment, build trust and accountability with systems and processes that actually work to scale profitability across all areas of your organization. Learn more about Jerry Henley and System and Soul at his website, launchtogrowth.com. Tell him you heard about it on Franchise Today for a no-cost, no-obligation initial consultation. Once again, find them at launchtogrowth.com. And I continue my conversation with Jody Boyce, Chief Marketing Officer for rapidly growing Teriyaki Madness. Jody, how much of that is the marketing and how much of that is the product? Where does that loyalty factor come from? What makes this brand so wildly popular? There are several factors. We did our own research in 2019 where we asked our own consumers, what is it that you love about Teriyaki Madness? And above all, above everything else they said, it was the flavor of the food. It was the fact that it's craveable and delicious and it's different from everything else out there. And then all the other factors that make us different in who we are, we're kind of underneath that. So the fact that we have high quality, made to order food, it's all customizable, huge portions for a reasonable price. All of those led up to the, the biggest one is that it's delicious food. So we have a lot of people that when, when they discover Terahe Madness and they try it for the first time and they become hooked, they become advocates for us, which is great. Our marketing though is to get that word out to others and get the food in people's mouths so that they could try it for the first time as well. So it's definitely a combination, but we have some pretty passionate consumers out there, big team ad fans. Do you do any in-store marketing for franchisees? We run four different kind of promotional windows a year where we send them the kits, materials to market locally. We rely on our franchisees to get involved in their communities. We're big on doing things like fundraisers for schools and any nonprofit. It's a great way to build business on a slower night of the week, a Monday or Tuesday grow the sales that day, but also give back to the community. And it's very inexpensive marketing. You're, you're getting in front of you know, 400 to 600 families with some advertising with pretty much zero dollars and very little effort. So we do rely on, on the local and we provide the tools. And then we're very collaborative with our shop owners as well. So if they have a great idea, we're going to work with them on creating whatever the materials are that they need. We'll track it and test it. And if it's something great, we share it out with the rest of our, our system to use. What about on the franchise development side? Do you promote franchise opportunities through the stores too? We do. And, you know, opening other shops in the same market where we have a couple is going to help everyone. That brand awareness and growing the brand, we're going to be very conscious of where we put our locations. But Vegas has 16 locations because they've been there for a while and they have enormous brand equity in that and brand awareness. So there is a lot to be said for growing the brand in certain markets, although will open wherever a franchisee wants to, as long as it meets our real estate plan. So let's talk about the profile of a franchisee in your brand. Back in the day when I was in the chicken wing business, we promoted through the stores too, that we had franchise opportunities available, but it was difficult to help a consumer understand that, oh, wow, I love Wing Zone. Yeah, wow, it's my favorite brand. Well, it may be your favorite brand because when you're dialing the phone for us to bring it to you, you didn't have to fry it, you didn't have to deliver it. And so 
enjoying the brand is not the same experience as being behind the fryer or the guy managing the guys driving the cars. So it was a different kind of an experience. Loving the brand, we wanted everyone to love it, but it didn't necessarily fit the profile of who our best franchisees might be. How do you reconcile that in your brand and in your concept? Are there specific attributes of franchisees that would make a consumer a great customer, but maybe not so much as a franchisee? Absolutely. So we franchise with several different types of owners. For the, the one who's not necessarily like, you know, a multi-unit franchisee, and maybe they didn't even have any business or restaurant experience, the biggest piece for us is that they're coachable. We have an amazing executive team with a ton of experience. We've put together processes and systems that we know that if a franchisee is able to follow, they can be successful. So being coachable is really important. We're going to provide a ton of support, and that person just has to be willing to learn and take it and run with it. And then trust and collaboration are also big attributes that we look for. We are an extremely collaborative group. We work very closely with our franchisees to take them to the next level. And so we're looking for the, the same kind of back and forth relationship. And then on the flip side, having some multi-unit franchisees, these are franchise owners who may own one, two, five, ten other brands and kind of want to round out their portfolio. So we work very well with them as well. And for that, it's more about the growth and that they have a team usually that we can work with who still need to be coachable and have that trust and collaboration. Have you guys shifted your footprint any post-COVID? Except for just massively growing, we haven't really shifted too much. I mean, during the pandemic, we opened 25 locations of our 31 from 2020. Mm -hmm. um, it was just a huge growth year for us. So again, we'll, we'll open in any market that a franchisee wants to open, although it's great when we can expand in a market where we already have a few locations, so we're building that brand awareness as a whole. Are there any changes to the store design? Have you done any shifting around there to accommodate more out the window and off-premise? We have a little bit. So curbside is something we launched during COVID. That was something we always had the ability to do. We never had the need prior. And so in May of 2020, we turned on curbside. And so making sure our landlords provide at least two parking spots in front of the shop and making sure that the location itself has easy way to get in and out and good parking is key. It's not just for the customers picking up, but we partner with all the delivery drivers as well. And so making it as easy as possible for them to park and not even have to get out of their car, but just pull up to the location is definitely key for us. We're also looking at smaller dining rooms moving forward. You know, with 80% of our business going out the door, we don't need the big real estate and the big locations. We need a, a comfortable small dining room, but really it's about getting that food in people's hands, whether it's at their car uh, in the parking lot or just handing it to them so they can be on their way. What about non-traditional development? This is maybe out of the wheelhouse a little bit. You're CMO and you're not the chief development officer, but I'm hoping that you can speak to that as well. Do you guys have campus or airport or non-traditional developments as well? We don't have any open yet, but we have a few in the works. Military base and we're looking at some colleges. I think it would be a perfect concept on a college just because of the type of food we are and the fact that it is customizable and healthier options and huge portions. We just lend well to younger demographics. So we will get there. We're not there quite yet, but I would imagine in 2021, we'll see a couple non-trads open. How many open and operating today? 
Today we have 103 open. We should have another, I believe, 10 before the end of this year. And the percentage of multi-unit, multi-flag, more sophisticated buyers as compared to mom and pop startups, one and done? We are definitely attracting more of the multi-unit groups now, now that we are, you know, the pace that we're growing, the success our shops are seeing. So the, the majority of the ones open today probably started as individual shop owners, but they're all rapidly expanding as well. So they're becoming multi-unit themselves. And then the people coming through our discovery days and through our process are mostly multi-unit moving forward. Can you describe your process for recruitment? And is there a different process for the recruitment of your multi-unit versus your single? Do they all come to one discovery day or do you treat those separately because of the disparities in the profiles of the applicants? We have a pretty tight process. So they do come through the same process, whether they're multi-unit or single. And that's so that we can get to know them. Even if they're not the ones that are going to be operating the, the restaurant, we're still getting into business with them for the next 10 to 20 years. And so we want to get to know who they are and let them get to know us. So they do go through a very similar process and come out to discovery days, whether they're buying one, three, or 10. And do you do any kind of assessments on the applicants, be those like a DISC or a personality assessment? Yeah, we do a personality assessment, try and match up their business attributes compared to what we compare with our top franchisees. So we look at that, but really we learn the most about people through the calls and then through the in-person discovery day. And all your discovery days early in the process or are they more like a decision day at the back? It's more like a decision day. So it's definitely a, a piece where we want to make sure that, that we're all on the same page, but it's one of the final steps. And then what too about career development? Do you have any kinds of programs that will enable your franchisees to recruit and hold on to people? You know, for years, it was always about labor, about the cost of labor. Today's world, it's just finding labor. We just had a, a whole webinar series on hiring and retaining. Some of our franchisees do it really well and don't have issues because they have retained the people that they've brought on. But it is, it's our probably our largest challenge right now, like the rest of everywhere, the restaurant industry at least. And so, yeah, we're trying to provide not only the tools to hire, but create what are those benefits for working for a young, growing brand and how can that person move up quickly? And we know it's not all about money, although that is a big piece of it. It's about uh, recognition and career path. And so we're working on those to help our franchisees be able to hire and retain people. How about some contact information for any of those in the audience that might want to pick back up with you on the back end and have a one-off conversation? Sure. Would you like my email? Whatever you're willing to surrender. Absolutely. My email is Jody, J-O-D-I, at teriyakimadness.com. Perfect. Well, Jody, I appreciate you sharing so much with us. You've given a lot of take-home value, I think, to the audience of emerging Zors that are eager to become the next Teriyaki Madness. And, and as I know full well, you are hardly done yet. Awesome. Well, thank you. It was really nice talking to you today. My pleasure. Thanks again. Jody Boyce, Chief Marketing Officer for Teriyaki Madness. Well, that's a wrap for today. Next week, it's a twofer when David Bloom joins us to talk about not one but two brands that are both on fire, Capriati's and Wingzone. Until then, 
I'm Stan Friedman wishing you the best, the very best of all things franchising, and Franchise Today is out. Franchise Today is a production of FRM Solutions, providing best-in-class CRM tools to empower relationships with prospective and existing franchisees. No excuses, just solutions. Find them online at frmsolutions.com. Join Stan every Wednesday at noon Eastern for another live episode of Franchise Today. Or, as always, download episodes on demand at blogtalkradio.com or iTunes. 